the Blazers will be down a man going forward. This is On The Rise Podcast, Season 2. Listen now on all major platforms as well as midtownradio.ca, weekends at 10 a.m. Welcome your host, Sam Donzig and Evan Brown. Welcome to episode 47 of the On The Rise Podcast. It's hot out of the oven. The Blazers have a major injury to deal with early on in the season as CJ McCollum is reportedly out at least four weeks with a broken foot. Uh, based on the fact that it's a very short, it's a shortened season, obviously 10 less regular season games, only 72 regular season games, uh, and every game counts. How does, this affect the, how does this affect the Blazers, Evan? And will the Blazers be able to stay afloat in the very competitive uh, Western Conference? Yeah, the Blazers are sitting at an interesting. They're sitting at eight and six right now, sixth place in the West, and this is going to really cost the 70, uh, 76ers. Where did I get that from? Uh, the Trail Blazers. I think this is going to be a this is a huge impact on the on the Trail Blazers. Uh, it sucks for CJ McCollum. It was actually re- originally reported as just like a foot strain, and then then he was only going to be out a week. Now it's been upgraded to a full-on broken foot. I don't know how you necessarily get that confused, but then again, I am not a doctor, so I have no reason to say anything otherwise. Um, but I think it's going to be a huge loss for the Blazers. I know Dame Lillard and a lot of the guys on that team will be able to step up in his place. But as far as losing McCollum after losing Nurkic, they lost also this past week. I don't. I, he's out for a while too. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Blazers going forward, and it sucks because Dame Lillard is such a, an amazing player. And we've seen over the years, he, is, he has that clutch DNA in him. And we've seen when players go down, he often steps up. And in the playoffs, we see he can lead a team. And uh, in a shortened season like this, it is going to be tough for them to miss that uh, to uh, miss CJ McCollum for that at least a month. Like, that is going to be really tough and devastating for their season. The Blazers' position, I don't see them in a playoff spot after this unless Dame Lillard can really carry. I don't know what exactly their schedule looks like over the next month. We don't really have to go into that. Because uh, that will that'll be a lot of games, but that that's gonna be t- it's gonna be tough on the Blazers to have him back uh, until like mid February, uh, or to not have him back until mid February. And I don't think the Blazers will be able to stay afloat. I honestly see them being a team that could be sitting like outside looking in as far as playoffs go. I'd say they'd probably be around the 12 spot in the conference, depending on how other teams do, obviously. Uh, but it's really going to have an impact on this Blazers team. And they're not going to be, I don't think, I don't see them being a above 500 team after the, after everything is said and done. I think this team is too hard hit by injuries right now. And I think unless Carmelo can somehow go back to New York Knicks slash Denver Nuggets, Carmelo Anthony, uh, alongside just the clutch Dame Lillard, this is going to be a bit of a tough season uh, going forward for the, for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's a really tough blow. And I just looking at their schedule, they've got 17 games that they've got to put over the next 30, 30 days or the next, next month from like January 20th to like a February 20th. So those 17 games, it's going to be tough for them definitely to stay afloat. And unless he, unless, um, why can I not remember his name? Uh, not CJ McCollum, uh, Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard can go hot and can really step it up along with the other players. Then I think it's going to be tough. I think they'll be able to, maybe go 500 like they might go like they'll go five they'll go 500 over the stretch like they'll maybe like go eight and like a maybe like a seven and nine kind of thing like that maybe it yeah. could be the case um i'm oh, sorry seven and ten maybe eight and nine kind of thing like that they could kind of go close to 500 
but or just under 500, but it's going to be very tough because we've seen that effect that whenever you lose a player, you lose that point production. Whatever that player produces every night in points, that's what you have to make up for, right? So if he, you know, contributes 20 points a night, then, okay, you've got to make that up between another five guys. You know, yeah, it's four more points, but it's four more points that you got to make up every night. And that's going to be always tough because some nights some players do well and other nights players go cold. So I think that when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's going to be very tough for these players to stay afloat. I it's going to be tough for them. Like, again, it's early on in the season. There's still lots of games left. Even if they go into a bit of a slump, maybe CJ McCollum can come back and then they can go back up again. But I can see them maybe get into an, at, uh, at an eighth seed as a playoff spot. That would kind of be my spot to put them at. I think that's the best they can hope for, to be quite honest. And uh, for all you fantasy owners out there, and as well, just I think for Blazers fans, I think if you want to look at a guy who is going to have to step up, and I am actually really high on this guy, uh, and I think he will be able to fill in nicely in a McC- uh, with McCollum not being there to take up minutes, is a 20-year-old first-round pick from 2019, Nasir Little. Uh, when this guy was drafted, I was very high on him. He's a great two-way forward. Uh, can play shooting guard, small forward, power forward if you need him to. I think uh, he is about the same height as McCollum and could sw- uh, fit in his spot at shooting guard slash small forward if he had, uh, if he had to. I don't know. Uh, he hasn't been playing on a lot of minutes this season. He's only averaging like six and a half so far this year, uh, one and a half points per game. But that's because they're not like the points per game don't mean anything when they're playing him like six minutes a game. You can't really expect much production out of that. But with McCollum now out, I expect him to take on a bit more of a bigger role. Maybe not starting right away, but I see him coming off the bench a lot more. Uh, and I see him being at least a bit more of a impactful player going forward and I think he has a lot of potential like I said he's been a guy I'm high on I've been high on since he got drafted in the league I think he's a good two-way forward and I think given the right amount of minutes and given the mentorship of Dame Lillard and I mean one of the best small forwards of all time in Carmelo Anthony uh back in his prime at least uh I think you could easily have see this guy becoming a, a better scorer than he is now better shooter and I, I, I do see him making an impact for the Trailblazers going forward. And he's definitely going to be one to watch. I don't think, I don't think he's going to be like the most improved player going to be taking over, uh, helping push the Blazers to like first seed in the West by any means. But I do see him at least being an impact and eating up some of those minutes that are lost by CJ McCollum because he just is a young, young player with a lot of potential. Definitely. Alrighty, that wraps up this segment of Hot Out of the Oven regarding the Blazers having a major injury in regards to CJ McCollum uh, reportedly breaking his foot and being out for four weeks. Alrighty, moving on over to our next topic. Obviously, it was the NFL Divisional Round this past weekend. We thought it'd be good to recap the four games that were going on. And what's uh, some very interesting games this weekend, uh, some close games, some not-so-close games. Some games that uh, obviously saw some legends possibly play their last game. Let's start with the Rams and Packers. Um, what are your quick thoughts on the game? Uh, you know, what do you see that really impressed you with the Packers? What didn't impress you with the Rams? Stuff like that, you know. Uh, overall, I think I, while I did have the Rams going into this game, I, I knew the Packers like were the dominant team and were most likely going to win this one. I just had a hope. As soon as Cooper Cup was announced to be out, I knew the Rams had no chance in this one, especially Aaron Donald was battling injury all game. Jared Goff didn't look strong throughout the entirety of it. And Akers was bound not to have as good of a game as he did last week against the Seahawks. So I think this one was just Packers dominating this one. Packers were supposed to go in uh, out there and win this one. And Rodgers just confirmed why he's one of the best quarterbacks remaining. And 
why he is still one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He was just showing off his dominance in this one. And even against a really tough defense in the Rams, he still managed to uh, manage to pick apart their team and just absolutely destroy them on offense. And I think as well, um, when you look at the matchup that I highlighted going into it, the, uh, and you highlighted it as well, Sam, the Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams, Rodgers didn't go much to Devontae Adams in this game. That's because of the presence of Jalen Ramsey, of course, but the Packers have so many weapons offensively. Lazard stepped up huge in this one and Rodgers kept finding him because while the Rams do have a good defense and they can cover one good wide receiver with Jalen Ramsey, he can't handle both or all three wide receivers, depending on who you play at a given time at the same time. So it, it came down to the rest of the Rams defense, being able to stop those rushes of Lazard and uh, St. Brown is in there too. There's a bunch of different guys, but the, the Packers overall just took it to the Rams defense and, Despite not being uh, Aaron Rodgers not being able to use his best weapon in Devontae Adams, uh, he was able to improvise and use his other resources, which I think some teams struggle to do sometimes against the Rams. And that's why the Rams made it as far as they did, because a lot of times some teams will have like a good, good quarterback, a good wide receiver combo, but they don't have a good wide receiving core as a whole. And it was easy for the Rams to shut down the one number one wide receiver and then worry about the other lesser wide receivers at the same time but with the Packers they had too many weapons and it was enough to overpower the Rams in this one yeah there was uh there was multiple instances when Adams wasn't really covered by Rams you like Adams still had a good game he had nine catches 66 yards and a touchdown but compared to Lazard he had four catches 96 yards and the touchdown so both had a touchdown one had a little more few yards and a little more a few more catches because they were more like short passes they weren't very long deep routes as they used to seeing as well I think that that game was fairly close. Like it was 25 to 18 going into that, you know, and I think going, it was like in the fourth quarter, it was a close game. The Rams were making it close, but it was just that last touchdown that the Rams gave up over the middle where pretty much it was kind of a mistake, like a blown coverage where the safety just didn't, like I think it was the corner and the safety as well, just didn't communicate properly. And they just got right past them. And it was a beautiful throw, excellent route run by uh, Lazard there for a big completion downfield for a big touchdown. Um, and I think going forward as well, the Rams need to evaluate like the Rams, you know, they didn't play a terrible game. You know, they, they, they were play, like, they obviously, they made mistakes. They weren't missing. They were missing a few key, like Aaron Donald wasn't hundred percent. Jared Goff wasn't hundred percent. Cooper cup was out of things. You can say, you know, as those things are excuses, but the fact of the matter is that you are playing also the Rams also, or no Packers did also have a very good defense. Like they coming into that game. Oh, yeah. I think oh, a lot of people, like I underrated them. I thought that their defense wasn't as bad, but as soon as I was watching the game, I was looking at where they are ranked and stuff. You know, they're a very tough defense and they shut down a decent, like, again, the Rams aren't really known for their offense, but regardless, they shut down an offense that can be potent for that put up 30 against Seattle. So um, that's, that's all I'm just saying compared to, they did shut down as well. Uh, the run game with Cam Akers, which I think was really good. Already uh, moving on into the next game, the Ravens and the Bills. Very close game, but or no, actually not not a very close game. Sorry, not a very close game. It was low scoring actually into the fact the second quarter, uh, and there was also costly interception thrown by Lamar Jackson. The pick six. What are your, what are your thoughts on the game? And is like I know because this was kind of like a thought that was kind of floated after the game. It's like obviously Lamar Jackson won his first playoff game against the Colts or against the. Uh, Titans last week, but then coming into this week, obviously a big game, divisional round, didn't play the best. Is the blame all on Lamar on the lost, or is it on other parts? Like, or is it on other parts of the team? I think to me in this game, I, wa I, I did watch some of this game. I didn't watch all of it, but I think 
to be honest, with the Bills in this one, I think they just flat out won the game. I don't necessarily, I don't think it was Lamar Jackson's fault for throwing the pick. I don't think it was the Ravens as a whole's fault for losing this game. I think the Bills were just a better team in this one. And it was, um, it's tough because, I mean, obviously, like kicking was horrible in this game on both sides because of the wind. It was kind of funny to watch, actually. Like Justin Tucker never misses two field goals, and he still did. Or no, did he miss one or two in that game? I can't remember. I think uh, he, I think he missed two field goals. I'm pretty sure. So I think he missed two field goals. There were some extra points missed. So this one was a lot of stuff. A lot of points left on the boards for both teams. But I think it all came down to the home advantage and being used to playing in that environment with the Buffalo Bills. And I think. The Ravens made progress this year. That was going to happen no matter what. I think Lamar Jackson uh, improved this year, and I think uh, his passing is definitely getting there. Obviously, he still has stuff to work on uh, going forward. Obviously, still very young as well. Uh, and this pick six is only something I think will motivate him in the future. I think he sees this as, okay, now that we have a win under our belt in the playoffs because we wanted to get past the Titans, now we can look at building off of that. It's kind of like, the whole thing with the Leafs in the NHL. You're right. You're trying to get past that first round. And once you get past the first round, then you worry about what's going forward. Uh, and you know that once you get past that first first round, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go all the way, right? You just, you got to take it one step at a time. And I think this is just another stepping stone for the Ravens. Get out in the second round. Now you know what it feels like to win a playoff game. And you know how to, you know what it feels to get to that next round, get to that game, and then play not your greatest football. And, uh, and lose in and, and losing that game. So now they build off that next year. And I think they come back stronger than ever. And I think overall, just the bills, while the Ravens, uh, ne- like I said, nobody necessarily is at fault in this one. I think the bills just played better football in this, uh, in this game. And I think the bills are the better team. And I think going forward, there'll be definitely one uh, ones to watch uh, as we get into the last two rounds here. And what's interesting is like, I'm just looking at these stats here. It's like Baltimore actually technically outplayed them. If you look at the stats, like they had more first downs, they're more efficient on third down. They had more rushing yards. They had more passing yards. Um, Obviously the big thing was the interception. The penalty yards were like a little bit much. They did also have, apparently it says they had five fumbles lost here or fumbles. Yeah. They had five fumbles lost compared to. Yeah, I think it was five to, five to one fumbles in regards to the number of fumbles for um, Baltimore. Is that that can't be right? Can that be? I don't know. That, that's what if it, it is. To. It makes sense because it could have been the cold atmosphere. Like not used to playing in that atmosphere. Ravens yeah, I, I just remember. I just don't remember seeing that many that. turnovers, but unless there was, but obviously yeah. there was the one, there was the one interception, but there was also the fumbles as well. But regardless, um, that interception was huge because obviously those two extra field goals, those two missed field goals. Let's say he has them. It's a seventeen to nine game, and the Ravens, you know, are or whatever it is, it's coming into halftime, and then the Bills score fourteen points. Like it could be a nine to three game going into halftime for the Ravens if he if he hits those two field goals. But of course, those two missed field goals are other opportunities and stuff. Regardless, there was like, you know, the driving and Buffalo as well didn't play a great game. Like they only put up 17 points. The Ravens defense played really well. Um, it was pretty much just the offense that just couldn't get things together. Like J.K. Dobbins had a slow game. He had 10 carries, 42 yards. Um, Devin Singletary didn't have a great either for the Bills. But regardless, it was just there's just moments in playoff games that make a difference. And I think that was a big interception. That was a big, big oh, yeah. interception. Oh, yeah to say none the least because that pretty much made it a 10-3 game to a 17-3 game and that was the difference but uh still you know I think the Ravens still got a bright future Lamar Jackson is I think from here and stuff what you do exactly with the point that you said it's that now that you realize okay we've won a playoff game we get into the second round 
And you're just going to slowly build on from that as well. Like, you know, many quarterbacks at a young age, they'll get into quarterbacks, you know, being, you know, they'll get into playoffs at a young age. And I think Baker Mayfield as well learned this, the fact that he made his first playoffs and he played the Chiefs. He, you know, he beat the Steelers, played a good game, but then faced the Chiefs and almost won, obviously because Patrick Holmes was injured and stuff and they put in Chad Henney. Regardless is that you learn, you learn from it, you move on and you go forward with a better knowledge of how to play the game and how to perform better in these moments. And we could see next year, you know, the, the Ravens going further into the playoffs each year and stuff, you know, it, it takes time, you know, all great quarterbacks, it takes time for, and as well, but uh, it's interesting to say the least. All right, moving on over on to our next game. Speaking of Baker Mayfield, the Browns and the Chiefs, a very close game, obviously, because Patrick Mahomes was injured what are your thoughts on the game and possibly the health status of Patrick Mahomes moving forward for this uh, AFC championship game as well, which we'll get into later, the predictions where the match. Yeah, this game was so much fun to watch. I was so happy. I was so entertained as a fan. Uh, and I think the, the one big play was obviously the touchback in the end zone. You don't see it that much with obviously the ball, uh, the Browns player. I can't remember who it was. Uh, getting hit in the end zone there, and then the ball rolling out the back of the end zone, resulting in first down for the Chiefs. That was just a crazy play. And then, uh, obviously, Henny coming in and just playing wonderful game management, uh, him tricking everybody getting that first down. Like, there were so many plays in this one that were just miracle plays, I think, a bit for the Chiefs that just really worked out in their favor. There were some smart moves, some more luckier moves. Like, the, the Chiefs played this one well, and despite losing Patrick Mahomes, I think they, I don't know if deserved to win this one, but they definitely had a really good chance of winning this one. And um, watching this game, I was surprised because this was a rough, rough game. Like there was a lot of big hits. There was a lot of helmet contact. There was a lot of, uh, there was just a lot of big hits thrown and a lot of guys were injured in this one. And I think uh, for, uh, for both teams, that is. And I think to be honest, the bills should be thanking the Browns in a sense for what they did to the chiefs in this game, because Mahomes, you don't know his status for next week. Pre- presumably, he's going to play. Uh, uh, hopefully, he'll be past the concussion by then, if it is a concussion or if it was just protocol. Um, but the Bills should also be thanking the Browns, and I'll explain why later on, why I think actually the Bills will beat the Chiefs next week. Um, and it's because the Browns beat up on the Chiefs so much that they injured a lot of their top players. And I think that's a bit how the Browns made this so close, is because they just wore down the Chiefs. And that was the Browns' style uh, going against the Steelers, too. They just wore them down, uh, continually using Kareem Hunt and continually using Nick Chubb and just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And that's what they did against the Chiefs. And a lot of the Chiefs' uh, defense really it took a toll it took a toll on them. And I think that's why going into next week, you'll see the Bills take advantage of that uh, because the Chiefs are so beat up right now. Uh, and I think – because originally I had the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And I think a lot of people did, but if Patrick Mahomes is playing or not, I still think the bills have a better chance of winning next week because of the hits that the chiefs took to their team and how their status is going to be going forward. And I'll talk, I, I guess I'm kind of just revealing my hand on that uh, matchup going forward, but I do think the bills are making it to the Super Bowl, And I do think they have a good chance of beating the chiefs next week, regardless on whether or not Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Uh, but I also do think Patrick Mahomes is going to play in this one. It's going to be hard to keep him out of a game of this stature, to be quite honest. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think Patrick Mahomes will play. The question is, what he is, what is his health status and how effective will he be? What is his 
nature of going to be, you know, with running plays and stuff? Is there going to be like maybe some mixing with Chad Henney? Is he going to come in on certain plays and stuff? You know, is he going to play 85% of the game, 80% of the game with Chad Henney coming in a little bit and stuff, depending on how he's feeling. And as well, overall thoughts of this game, I think the Browns played really well. You know, like they had a solid chance to win a game. But also, even though for most of the game, obviously, for the first half, he was 19 to 3. Then in the second half, Patrick Holmes gets injured. Um, I believe I believe it was the second half, or maybe just before the second half yes. that he got injured. It was, was second half. Second it half. was the second half they got injured. Um, obviously, they score to make it. Uh, it was a 20 yard pass, 20 yard touchdown pass, which extended the lead to make it. Uh, I forget what the score was then. I think, oh no, that would have been. So no, the, yeah, the lead was like it was like ten to three or something like that. I, I can't remember what the <laughs> halftime score was. It was oh yeah, sorry, seven to three, the halftime score or whatever it was. But um, and I think that going forward, uh, with this game, it's going to be very interesting to see um how the Chiefs do because I think the Browns were really able to expose what the Chiefs are and expose some of their weaknesses, and I think that again the Bills are a pass heavy team. And really with the Browns, they weren't able to like, you know, Nick Chubb had 13 carries for 69 yards. Um, Jarvis Landry didn't have the biggest game receiving, you know, he only like 20 yards receiving with the touchdown. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. But I think they really opened up the hand for the Bills to say, okay, you know, we can watch this, see what the Browns did well to, you know, keep it close with the Chiefs. Or sorry, my correction, it was 19-3 was the halftime score. 19-3 was the halftime score. But after that, obviously, um, with Patrick Holmes being injured, um, the Chiefs obviously didn't do much on offense. And their defense didn't do much either as well. Their defense wasn't able really to stop the Browns. Like they, they stopped him eventually when it mattered the most, but they also scored two touchdowns in the second half, which I think was very key. Um, regardless, that's kind of my uh, overall thoughts of the game. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with um, Holmes going forward. All right, moving on over to our last game, the Buccaneers in the Saints, the battle of the uh, older quarterbacks, the two legends in the league, uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Uh, overall thoughts on the game, because obviously it wasn't the best game for uh, Drew Brees, a really, good, a really good game from Tom Brady and, you know, had a solid performance, but also should Drew Brees retire? Uh, this was the one game that I didn't really get a chance to watch. Um, and it was interesting hearing like what was going on in the game because I know Drew Brees did not play very well and when I was predicting the games I or and called my shots I was saying the Saints were going to win and it was going to be because uh Tom Brady has looked inconsistent and Brees had looked like he was still his old oldish self uh, despite injury uh and it turned out to be the opposite Drew Brees with three interceptions in this one uh, and Brady looking dominant as ever with the Buccaneers. That could be just playoffs. That could be anything. Uh, and as far as, like, it was tough in this one to watch because it was really – it probably will be the last game we see of Drew Brees. I think he should retire. He's had an illustrious career. Uh, he's nearing the end. With everything going on, he had a major injury scare this season that could have put him out of condition almost right then and there. Uh, I thought it – I thought it would have. You remember me saying at the time, I thought he was going to retire right then and there, and that would have been it. But um, he pushed through the season, which is great for him. And I wonder if that was some of the discussion with him and Brady after the game when they were talking on the field there with their uh, with their kids hanging out, uh, which I thought was a really touching moment, by the way. I love that they caught that on film. But I, I wonder if that was some, a part of the discussion there. Like what, what I would give to be a part of that conversation, though, right? Like that is two legendary quarterbacks right there. Um, 
but yeah, I think the Buccaneers are going to be an interesting team going forward because you can't, you can't normally bet against Tom Brady, but I don't know something about this game. I think it was just the play of Drew Brees in this one for the Saints because the Buccaneers, while Tom Brady did look good, can you fully trust it? Can like it is? Yes, it is Tom Brady for the Buccaneers, but can you fully trust based off of what we've seen this season alone uh, that Tom Brady will come back out and have another good game next week? That's that's going to be uh, something to be kept an eye on for uh, for the next for the next week, I guess. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, overall, yeah, again, I wasn't watching this game. I was doing some other things, but I, I caught it. I got the first half, a little bit of the like the first half, and it was you know, a close game. It was 20-20, or yeah, it was 13-13 to at halftime, 20-20 to at the tide at the end of the third third quarter. It was just the fourth quarter that really made the difference. You know, they scored 10 more points, and obviously there were some costly interceptions, but I think that obviously it, in regards to Drew Brees' retirement, I think it's tough because it's like Drew, Tom Brady obviously went out last season and he lost a playoff game. And he lost it on a pick six on his last play. And it was like, you know, it's not how you want to go out. So he didn't retire. You know, he came out. Now look at him. He's going, he's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl in the next season with a great team, which I think is interesting. Not saying Drew Brees, it's going to happen or not, because obviously he did, he is still recovering from that injury. Like is to say that he's a hundred percent could be true or not, but I, I still think he's probably got some, maybe a little bit of pain because it did happen. Yes. Yeah, a number of weeks ago, but obviously he came back really early. So how did that affect him and stuff? And what exactly is his current official status? And I think it, it would be okay for him to retire, you know? Yeah. It's not the greatest way to go out. Um, but I think that as well, what's interesting as well with drew Brees is the fact that i think that people a lot of people like i've seen i've seen some comments and stuff like that if that if he's uh overrated in the playoffs because right now his record is nine and nine in the postseason that's his overall postseason record at nine and nine he's got one super bowl ring not um not like you know two and anything. and a lot of quarterbacks i think are trying to push for that second super bowl ring because i think at least two is good you know i think a lot of quarterbacks try at least for to push for two super bowl rings at the minimum um I think he should retire, but I just don't see him coming back another year. And like, I think this was the, like a lot of people, like this was, was his year to win. Like it, he had a great team it was 12 and four had a really good defense. It was the, just the play of Drew Brees that cost him this game. The defense didn't play overly bad. Yeah. They, you know, they allowed 30 points, but I think a lot of those were off turnovers. Right. So if Drew Brees doesn't inter- doesn't throw those interceptions, then, um, then, you know, those points are not scored and stuff, you know, that, then, then it's a different game. You know, what, how many of those are touchdowns as well. And what's interesting, the fact that James Winston threw the first touchdown of the game, which I thought was a little bit interesting as well, which is kind of funny. The fact that, yeah, yeah James Winston, <laughs> it was a little bit confusing as well, but regardless, uh, it's interesting as well. And I think going forward as well, which we're going to get into as well as that the AFC and NFC championship game is the fact that I just don't see Tom Brady going against Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers throwing multiple interceptions. Like that's the only way that he's going to win yeah. this game because it seems that the Buccaneers defense, yeah, they're good and stuff, but so are the Packers defense and the Packers offense is really tough to beat and tough to stop. And we saw with the Rams with the number one, you know, top defense in the league. And like they were top number one overall, like number three and uh, pass number three in rushing number one in passing defense, number one overall in regards to those numbers that they were able to, they couldn't, they couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. So I just don't see the Buccaneers doing that. And I think that kind of, well, I guess that traditions us into our AFC and NFC kind of matchups and our Super Bowl matchup is the fact that, um, I'm probably going to be picking the Packers. So I'm going to I'm going I'm to take the Packers over the Buccaneers. I just think that the Packers are the team to they're the team to beat, and they're they're a lock for that Super Bowl 
pick, and I think it's going to be very tough to slow down Aaron Rodgers. They're going to need, and as well, the, the last time these two teams played, it was a 38-10 to 10 victory, and it was a lopsided victory. And I think people are going to take that into context. But as well, that was early on in the season. That was, you know, that was very early on in the season. These, um, these Packers, it's a very different team. They're playing really well. They're playing really well football. And as of late, um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to stop. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the Packers to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC side for the AFC side. It all depends on the st- health status of Patrick Holmes. I really want, I, I want to take the chiefs because, you know, I, I don't want to bet against the chiefs because they're, you know, they're the chiefs and they're probably going to win, but as well, who comes in there and is Chad Henney able to play a full game and beat that Bills defense that's playing playing really well because you're playing two different defenses. You're playing the Browns defense and you're playing the Bills defense. And as well, in that game, he had a lead. So if Patrick Holmes comes back and plays and he's healthy, then I'm taking the Chiefs. But if Pat, I actually know Patrick Holmes is going to play. And I think even at full health, though, I'm, ta- I'm still taking the Chiefs to win. I'm still taking the Chiefs. Even if he's like 80%, I still think he's going to be tough to slow down, tough to beat, and he might be probably trying to be as 100% as possible. It's just in, in the, like, even if the Bills go to the, the Super Bowl, it's going to be tough to beat uh, the other side of whoever they're playing, you know, with the Packers and stuff. But I would love to see Patrick Holmes, you know, not seeing him win another ring, but it'd be cool, you know, just to see if he, if they could win back to back. But that's my take on the, uh, yeah, the Super Bowl. And matter. just to, just before I get into mine, who are you taking out of the Packers and Chiefs to win the Super Bowl? Um, see, in my bracket, I took the Chiefs, but again, it's like this Patrick Holmes injury. Just if Patrick Holmes didn't get injured and like in the Chiefs just won the game, then I'd be like, okay, the Chiefs are going to the Bills and the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Now, as well, with the time being off from the the difference between the championship game and the Super Bowl, the fact that they do have that full two weeks, they or even more actually, because they play on the Sunday. Then they've got that week plus another week, and then they've got the Super Bowl week as well. So yeah, they've got about two full weeks to recover. So I think that in that point, I think Patrick Holmes will be healthy enough, and I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm sticking to my bracket. I think they'll be able they'll be able to beat uh, the Packers. It's going to be a very exciting game, very close game. But uh, I am taking the Chiefs to win back to back Super Bowls. That's my take. I'm breaking off from my bracket. I am saying, given the evidence in front of me, I'm going to, my bracket is my back pocket. Sure. It's whatever. But at this point it's busted already. I don't even care. I'm going off of what I think. I'm saying Packers beat the Buccaneers with ease. I'm saying uh, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be proven to be one of the best quarterbacks remaining. If not the best quarterback remaining, I think, the Bills will make it past the Chiefs, regardless if Mahomes plays or not. Uh, I think the Chiefs are just too banged up. And if they can get past the Bills, great. Then you will have a pretty good chance at the Super Bowl, but I don't see it happening. I see the fully healthy – not fully healthy, but mostly healthy Bills taking down the Chiefs. I see a Green Bay-Buffalo final. And I think in the Super Bowl, uh, after the lovely halftime show performed by the weekend, which I'm actually excited for a Super Bowl halftime show – not like J-Lo and Shakira last year, which I was not as excited for. Or was it the year before? Justin Timberlake, I think? Year before? Uh, I, I Honestly... No, no, it, no it, was, it was someone else. It was like, no, it was uh, Adam Levine and like some other random band. It was really oh, weird. Oh, Adam Levine, okay. I liked Adam Levine's one. J- you know, Justin it was, Timberlake was interesting. 
I'm like, no, Jay, don't don't disrespect just JT like that. JT had a, okay. It was interesting the fact that he went to the fans, but he had a really good performance. I like this song, so don't don't be disrespecting JT like that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. And I don't. think still, well, still one of my favorite Super Bowls of all time, and will forever be my super, favorite Super Bowl halftime show that I've ever seen. Will be Super Bowl Fifty. Coldplay's one, uh, bringing in everybody they did, Bruno Mars and Beyonce, like just everything they did in that Super Bowl halftime show. I'm not going to rant too much on that, but it is easily my favorite one of all time. I can't even remember. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Super Bowl 50. Um, but anyways, I think my prediction is going to be Packers uh, Bills going into the Super Bowl. I am going with, I'm going to go with the Packers. I think the Bills, it's going to be a just, they got there, but it's going to be a just slight miss for them this year uh, because of the prowess of the Packers offense. And I think it's going to be, uh, the Bills are going to look to just run it back next year. I think it's going to be one of those years where the Bills just say, okay, look, we did well to make it this far. We surprised everybody. And next year we're going to come out and say, hey, look, we're ready to fight. And this is going to be our stand. And I think uh, next year is going to be a very interesting year to watch the Bills, especially in the regular season starting off. But I think this is just their year to prove to other teams that they can get as far as they can. And then next year they'll actually stick it to them all and say, look, we are building towards being one of the best teams in the NFL. But this year I say they just slightly miss out on it. I say Rodgers gets the Super Bowl and we'll take it home with the Packers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, just uh, one last thing as well. So Super Bowl 53 was the Super Bowl that I was talking about, the, the halftime show that I didn't like because it was with Travis Scott and Big Boy, whoever that is. Oh, yeah, right. that was it was with yes. Mar- Maroon 5. It was with Maroon 5. So that was a, that was a bad halftime show um as well Rune five did well and then travis scott ruined it as my yeah opinion. no i think that's what everyone that, that's the mirror five did Rune a good five job Rune five good. and then they came out with like with travis scott and big boy and everyone's like uh, it's not the greatest and no one really liked well people liked the shakira one but for different reasons and it wasn't for their singing that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> anyways that wraps our nfl divisional recap round recap uh, just kind of recapping the games from the weekend as well. Predictions for the rest of the way, the Super Bowl matchup and winner. All right, moving on over into our last topic of the day. More NFL offseason rumors are continuing. Possibly it's the now the Watson sweepstakes. Uh, obviously, we talked about uh, Deshaun Watson the other day, possibly wanting out now. And now he's uh, he also posted a cryptic tweet the other day. He's like, I, I started at a 10 and now I'm up to a 10. So in regards to his anger. Started at a 2 and a 10, not started yeah. at a 10 and then went to a 10. So yeah, but yes, I know what you're saying. Started at a 2 and then went to a 10 or now at a 10 or something. I can't remember what you said. Yeah. Anyways, um, regardless, we kind of wanted to think of some most plausible landing spots for Deshaun Watson. Obviously, Miami has been in the name, tossed in the conversation, obviously, trading that third over pick for Tua, like it'd be third plus Tua for the uh, for Deshaun Watson, which I think any Miami fan would take right now because Deshaun Watson is... Yeah. No, okay, so yeah. here's my... Here's my yeah. thing. As much as you want to trade away, yeah. as much as you don't want to trade away for the third pick, Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback than Tua right now. Like he's obviously he's proven. Yes, to- but the Miami need, Miami Dolphins need pieces still. I think. Well, no, yeah, they they, they need pieces. And I think they so could it's use like that third overall pick better. I they think they, they could use that third overall pick better than instead of just not giving up on Tua so early, but. I think that's a possible spot. Uh, Chicago has also been listed a possible, plausible spot for Deshaun Watson. How likely that is, I don't know. Uh, New England potentially in the works, and as well the 49ers possibly with all of their QB, their interesting QB situation going on with Jimmy Garoppolo there. So, who do you think is the most plausible and most realistic spot for Deshaun Watson to land in regards to the Watson sweepstakes? 
This is interesting because I think there's another team that we didn't mention here that could be into. Well, I, I not could be interested, but should be interested because I don't like their current situation necessarily. Eh, well, I don't know if I don't like their situation, but we'll get to them in a second here. Uh, I think as far as Miami goes, I think if you can just trade Tua and something else other than the third overall pick for Deshaun Watson, then by all means go for it. But I think you you need that third overall pick right now, uh, building for toward the future. Or you could go out and trade. Hey, say hey, we have the third overall pick. Hey, Arizona, you want us to give? You want to give us DeAndre Hopkins back uh, back to reunite the dynamic duo, and then. Uh, we'll give you the third overall pick because you need to help Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, that would be an interesting idea. Um, I don't know. I just came up with that on the spot. But um, I think Miami is probably the top destination right now. Uh, Chicago, for whatever reason, probably doesn't want to move on from Mitch Trubisky. I don't know what their status on him is. I think they should move on from him. Who knows what they believe in? Uh, the New York, uh, New York, uh, New England Patriots. I expect them to probably try to get somebody at the draft instead, but you never know what their status could be. Uh, they might be a player for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't know the likelihood of that. 49ers are interesting because you never know what's going to happen with Garoppolo. And I think they could try to play for Deshaun Watson. That would be quite interesting if they did, but I don't know necessarily if that's a good fit, but another team that I think should maybe try for a Deshaun Watson. I don't know if they have the pieces. I don't think it's a great fit. Necess- eh. Here's my thing. What is it? What is it? The team, the team is the Philadelphia Eagles. And the problem is right now with the Eagles is they are hooked on Carson Wentz and they have Jalen Hurts for the future, which I think is great. But I think because of, the situation they've put him in it's hard for him to develop and because they are so hooked on Carson Wentz because for some reason they're trying to talk to new get new head coach and new GM and they're trying to find guys who want to keep Carson Wentz for some reason I still don't know why they are so hooked on him he had one good season once and they still think he can find that magic again and I don't think it's there. And I think they, if they could get to Sean Watson, I think it would be very helpful for them. Might cost them Jalen Hurts in the process, but I think Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that is decent, but is also, I think, one or two years away. If you wanted to try to push back for a not-so-great NFC East division that's going to be hopefully better next year once the Cowboys get healthy, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. But I think the Eagles could potentially be in on Deshaun Watson just because – it's an upgrade over what they have right now. And just please do something about Carson Wentz. You have to change something about quarterback because just, it just frustrates me how they're so hooked on Carson Wentz when all evidence points to the fact that he had one good season and they should have moved on from him immediately because he's been terrible ever since. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, this fact that the Eagles could be a possible team. It's going to be tough for them to kind of go on because as well, if they – if they are still trying to keep Carson Wentz because obviously they signed him to this massive deal and they can't just release him because they have to, they, they, then they have to owe him all these money or even if they trade him and stuff like that, they still have to start pay part of his contract and that's going to eat up some cap space. Um, but regardless, it's going to be tough. I think that, yeah, I just don't see a possible spot for maybe the fact that if Carson Wentz or if, or if, if um, Deshaun Watson were going to the Eagles, Miami makes sense most for me. And here's why, because Tua and I understand Miami does need some people and yes, Tua, it's only his first season and yeah, he didn't play the full, but there was multiple instances when Tua was pulled from the game and put in for Ryan Fitzpatrick 
And Brian Flores continued to be like, no, two is our guy, two is their guy. So it's like, okay, is he, you know, going forward? And what is the future with uh, him? Chicago, again, unlikely. I think Chicago, it makes sense for them to get Watson because Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. We've seen it as well. Um, another possible idea of where, he, like, again, he's up for contract. I just don't see him being getting a big contract extension. Um, New England, I think New England, New England would make the most sense for him as well. I think that would be another plausible Miami, New England. Again, what does New England really have to offer him? Like what does New England have? Maybe, I guess I wouldn't say give him like just straight up trade for Cam Newton. Cause Cam Newton's going to be a free agent next year. So you'd have to sign him and then trade him. But regardless, uh, if Cam Newton walks, you can definitely trade for Deshaun Watson. He does have a no trade clause. So he does get to choose where he gets to go as well. He gets to pick where he goes. So possibly Miami, Chicago, New England, 49ers, one of those teams. The 49ers are very interesting. The fact that is Jimmy Garoppolo the quarterback of the future? And I think many people are questioning that. The fact that obviously he had the one good season and I know you're shaking your head there. So he's not, so. uh, he's not the quarterback so. feature. Again, he didn't look great this season yet. Like again, they were hit with, they were devastated with injuries, but I think for early on in the season, he did have George Kittle. He did have a couple other receivers. I think, it's tough to tell where they are. Obviously I think going into next season, they're going to have to see, and maybe if going into next during next season, they don't have any injuries and they're healthy and he's stinking up the joint. Clearly he's going to be moved on, but it's like, does, does do the 49ers make a bold move and say, Hey, you know what? We don't really fully trust you. Even if we're fully healthy, um, we're going to, you know, move on from you. We're going to go to Deshaun Watson, a much, a little bit younger quarterback as well. Might add he's well, very young, only been in the league a number uh, number of years, only about three years now. He's he was drafted in 2017 or four years now, technically, I think three or four years. Yeah. He's, he's drafted 2017. Um, so uh, regardless, I think that's kind of my takes on that. It's going to be very interesting to see what, where he lands as well. You'd be, I think if Miami did trade that third overall pick and Tua did go to, uh, the Texans for that third overall pick and they get the pick back. Uh, it'd be good for, you know, the Texans cause they get the third overall pick and they get Tua. but as well, they might, they might want that third overall pick to get some pieces as well, because I think both teams have really good quarterbacks or good, really good possible quarterbacks. Um, but just don't have any other pieces for them. You know, a good receiver to throw them the ball. They have like one good receiver. The Texans did have two good receivers, but they traded away their best number two one. Two good over. receivers, but they traded both of them. Yeah. They oh. traded one away and then the other got suspended. Well, unfortunately, yeah. because of, PEDs, which you really didn't know was PEDs, but it was unfortunate. But regardless, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And uh, yeah, that's that's anything else to add before we wrap up this episode? Uh, just if you're the Miami Dolphins, uh, while you are the favorites to land this trade, don't do exactly what the Texans did with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Don't trade away your only valuable asset, which is your third overall pick. In my opinion, that is too valuable of an asset. You can't give that up. It's going to have to be two a plus, I think, to get Deshaun Watson. But that plus cannot include the third overall pick, in my opinion, because that's your future. You have nothing else right now. If you trade away that pick in that deal, you lose that trade, no matter what. The Texans come out better than that nine times out of ten. They already have a decent enough team as it is. The Dolphins need extra pieces, I think. And you have to keep that third overall pick, in my opinion, if you're the Dolphins. If you get rid of it, uh, as well as Tua, I think it's an immediate loss. All right, that wraps up this segment for NFL, NFL offseason rumors, uh, talking about the Watson sweepstakes and the most plausible landing spots for Deshaun Watson.
That wraps up this episode of season two of On the Rise Podcast. You should follow our Instagram at Rise Podcast, listen in on Midtown Radio and visit our website on the Rise We will see you on Saturday.